Welcome to Eat Blog Talk, where food bloggers come to get their fill of the latest tips, tricks, and insight into the world of food blogging. If you feel that hunger for information, we'll provide you with the tools you need to add value to your blog, and we'll also ensure you're taking care of yourself because food blogging is a demanding job. Now, please welcome your host, Megan Porta. Food bloggers, don't forget to check out the food blogging forum style community that we started over at forum.eatblogtalk.com. Finally, there's one place that we can all convene and talk and that isn't scattered all over Facebook. Here are the things that I am loving about it. It is free. It also allows for categorized discussions on all food blogging topics And there's a category for sharing successes, aka self-promotion. So no more holding back about discussing your big wins and things that you're promoting. Also, everything is in one single spot. So no hopping around from group to group. And there's an amazing opportunity to network and really get to know your fellow food bloggers in a single place. So come join the discussions that are going on over at forum.eatblogtalk.com. And I hope you enjoy this as much as I do. Don't forget forum.eatblogtalk.com. Okay, food bloggers, have you heard of Flowdesk, the new big email marketing rage? This is an amazing new option for managing your email subscriber list. It is super easy to use and it comes with gorgeous, intuitive drag and drop templates. And Flowdesk does not charge based on number of subscribers. So your monthly rate will stay the same from month to month. Everyone pays $38 a month or use my affiliate link to get 50% off and pay only $19 a month. You guys, this is a fraction of the price of other email service providers, and you'll be blown away by the beautiful and intuitive templates waiting for you inside. Visit eatblogtalk.com forward slash resources to grab your link. Flowdesk, the stunning new option for email marketing. What's up, food bloggers? Welcome to Eat Blog Talk, the podcast made for food bloggers wanting to add value to their businesses and their lives. Today, I will be chatting with Diana Edelman from vegansbaby.com, and we will talk about how to establish yourself in the community and worldwide while expanding your food blog through providing different offerings such as a comprehensive guide, food tours, consulting, special activations, and more. Diana launched Vegans Baby in 2016, offering the only comprehensive guide to vegan dining in Las Vegas that includes an interactive map of local restaurants with vegan choices, dining and lifestyle directories, guides, news stories, and more. Over the years, Vegans Baby has expanded and includes a vegan dining month in Las Vegas, Portland, and San Diego, vegan events, and curated chef-driven dinners at the James Beard House and in Las Vegas. Diana offers local and international food tours, restaurant consulting, and she authored the Las Vegas Vegan Food Guide. Diana, wow, this is really exciting stuff, and I'm just pumped for you that you've expanded so much, and I'm really looking forward to talking more about it. But first, give us a fun fact about yourself. Okay, so when I was growing up, like my early, like, you know, 
formative like elementary school years, it was my dream to be an Emmy award winning soap opera actress. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Pretty random. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. So did you have like a favorite soap growing up that you watched? Yes, all my children. My <gasps> Me mom too. watched it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I wanted to be Susan Lucci. <laughs> oh my gosh. I watched that with my stepmom. That was like our thing. She would come home from work over lunch and it was always right at noon central time so we would watch it together and we got so ridiculously engrossed in that show it was like <laughs> real life like can you believe what's what uh what was her name now I can't even think of it Susan Lucci's name Erica Erica like Erica can you believe Kane. what Erica did <laughs> <laughs> right oh uh, yeah I mean I grew up watching that show every night with my mom we'd rewind Fast forward through the ads. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so fun. Well, I'm with you on that. <laughs> well, I always say this, Diana, launching into kind of why you're here today. Um, your story is just living proof of something that I just believe in. One of the things I love so much about food blogging is that it is a gateway for so many other opportunities. There are ventures that emerge from food blogging that we never could imagine when we're starting out, right? So, Let's start this conversation off by just taking a little bit of a step back and talking just more generally about food blogging to start. What do you think are the most important things to consider when someone is creating a blog? So I think probably the most important thing is to find out where the demand is and where a need isn't being met. Because now there's just food blogging. I started as a travel blogger. And when I started, there weren't a whole lot of travel bloggers. Now it's inundated. And food blogging is very much the same way. So I think if you want to start a food blog, find something that's going to make you stand out, but that you're passionate about. Um, you know, there's, I think vegan is getting very big right now, but it's finding that smaller subset of, of vegan or of whatever your passion is within food and really growing that because the less competition you have, the easier it's going to be for you to grow and to stand out or to be an early adapter. I think that's just showing to be true more and more that the more niche you can get, the better off you will be and the more successful you'll be. And it seems, I say this all the time too, it seems so counterintuitive. Like if I'm a vegan food blogger with even more of a niche inside of that, like a vegan Las Vegas food blogger, you would think that that would just eliminate so many people from coming to your blog, but actually it does the opposite. So I'm a huge proponent of that. Get super, super niche. And even if it seems ridiculous, it's going to pay off because like you said, there's so much competition. Absolutely. Yeah. So what else can food bloggers provide? Like what else can they add to the world that will make them unique? And how do they find that? Wow. That's a good question. Um, so I think really part of what's being unique is you and your why. So I think when you're doing your food blog and you're drilling it down, telling your story and finding different ways to consistently weave that in, whether it's through narrative within your content, if it's through your social media, but it's, it's reminding people of who you are and what makes you different from the next person. I think that's really, really important in order to kind of grow and to stand out because there are so many cookie cutters out there. And to show up as you and remind people of why you're doing this is a great way to kind of build your brand and establish credibility and loyalty among readers. Yeah, that was a great answer. I think 
the more saturated food blogging gets, do you agree with this that like the more we kind of look the same? So I think going from food blog to food blog, I just feel like everything pretty much looks the same. So when I can find that person, that blogger that really stands out in a unique way, whether it's like writing style or a really unique way to portray photography or just something that makes them stand out a little bit, I think that's really important because there are so many people that (laughs) just do the same cookie cutter thing. Yeah. You know, and part of it, like I've learned from travel blogging because when I was in it, I was writing like experiential travel. I was writing narrative. So it was more of storytelling. And now if you go to travel blogs, it's top 10 lists. It's, you know, five things you must do the way what I packed. And it really, you need to get out of that mold and stand out. And it's the same within food blogging. You want to kind of change things up a little bit and and be different because that's how you're going to get noticed. And that's how you're going to get more of a following is by, by going against the grain of what everyone else is doing. Yeah, I totally agree. There's a newer food blogger. Um, her blog is Yellow Glass Dish. And I love her stuff because she is incorporating watercolor, her own watercolor art into her blog. And I just think like there is nobody that does that. So now that's cool. I know. And who would have ever thought to do that? But she actually like takes the time to create this art and then she scans it and puts it within the post and she has it as part of her logo as well. But just something like that, like figure out what you're really good at, what makes you unique as a person and incorporating it into your blog. And other people will notice that. Absolutely, they will. Yeah. So growing an audience is another important part of growing a blog. So can you talk to us about ways to reach an audience and to keep them engaged? Sure. I think the most important thing is to show up. Is to show up, it's to be accessible and it's to be consistent. So if you're trying to grow an audience, whether it's on social media or it's on your website, know what you do and show people what you do and tell people what you do and tell them in 5 million different ways. So if you have a food blog and I'm just going to, a vegan raw food blog and you share like vegan raw ingredients, you do product reviews, you do recipes, that's what you do. Keep it to that. Don't expand and suddenly do like you know, five shoes I'm wearing this week or something. (laughs) Establish what the audience can expect and then give them what they expect. You know, obviously it's fun to like mix it up a little bit, but be on brand and really honestly figure out what your brand is before you do anything else, because that is going to be your guidelines. Like my mission for vegans baby is to make it easy to be vegan. And everything I do within that is on my site or on my social media. So that's a huge umbrella, but then every post I put up there helps you be vegan. So that's, you know, having something like that is really important. I think, um, being available. If you have a very standoffish attitude on social media, if you don't engage, I think that makes it very hard to grow your audience because people want to have someone to relate to. And if it's you versus a brand or even a brand, you want to be a person. You still want to have that story of you woven into that so people can identify and relate to you. So like on my Instagram stories, for example, like I'll have on my, on my content, it'll be food photos, but on my stories, like I'm going to show you the terrible baking I'm doing. Because <laughs> I am horrible. I am bad in the kitchen. Like this quarantine is helping me become better, but I'm showing you like kind of a glimpse into, into the person behind the photos because people want to see that. And especially now more than ever, they want to be able to identify with somebody and to feel like they have a relationship with somebody and they know the person posting this. I absolutely 100% agree. Just 
being available is so huge and it can take you so much farther than you think. Because I think we all see those bloggers or influencers on social media that just aren't. They're untouchable. They're not available. You can't contact them. You have no interaction with them. And there's a turnoff there. I think that there's such a magic about being able to just know that you can contact someone or that they're available. They're being real. They're there for you to bounce things off of. I think that's huge. And I think the more vulnerable you are, the more people respect it as well. Like I know for, for right now, you know, Vegas is shut down. It's a really hard time to be living in Vegas right now, which is where I am. And, um, I was having like a mild panic attack the other week and I someone like a follower actually went to the grocery and grabbed me groceries and, and dropped them off. And it was the sweetest thing. And like, I got on Instagram and I cried because I was, and like, even just talking about it, like makes me teary eyed because it's so touching. And I, and I want people to see that, that I'm not just this person that, you know, is stoic and you're having a hard time. Guess what? So am I. So I think it's important in establishing in just in getting those people to identify with you and to trust you, you have to you have to be there and you have to show up for them too. That is the sweetest thing ever that somebody brought you groceries. Oh my gosh, she was the sweetest thing because I I wasn't feeling great and um like it wasn't obviously it wasn't the the coronavirus, but it just it gets in your head and we have allergy season in Vegas right now, so it's like the worst time for <laughs> to, yes, to have allergies. Agreed. Like, oh, was that dry cough a dry I cough know. or was it like allergies? <laughs> so she, I wanted that. There's like the supplement you can take in it. For some reason, don't even know if it works, but in my head it does. And I was running out and I was like, oh my gosh, I can't get any in the mail for like two weeks. And I put it up. I'm like, if anyone goes to Whole Foods, can you please get me this? And she's like, my boyfriend works there. I'll go get it for you. I'm like, I'll come pick it up. She's like, I'll just drop it off. And I'm like, what? Oh, really? That's the best. <laughs> yeah. But you know, it's, 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 a, and I've met so many people through it and having relationships with people and talking to people and not just being that person that is on this like perch of unattainability because it, you're right. It is, it is very much a turnoff. I feel. Yeah. And you can do that in other ways too. I mean, the in-person thing is amazing. How cool that someone reached out in that way. But I've found during this time that I've been a little bit more apt to reply to my audience, especially through Instagram. So I've actually gotten to know a few of my readers pretty well. And I I just didn't before. And now I don't know what it is. It's like this thing we're all like banding together. Yes, we're in this together. Let's figure it out. But I have dug deep and just decided, okay, these people are coming here weekly, daily to see my content and they're devouring it right now. So I need to give them some love. So just stepping out a little bit extra and doing, you know, like even a quick reply, just like someone replied the other day and said, hey, I made your tomatoes or pasta sauce recipe. Thank you. And I just decided I'm going to take a little bit extra time and just give them a thoughtful reply is there anything else I can give? You know, do you need anything else right now? Are you having struggles in the kitchen? And they really appreciated it. They were like, wow, thank you. Um, Actually, yeah, I was trying to find some bagel recipes. And so it just, it's an opportunity for us. And it's also helpful for audience. Yeah. And I think it's important to remember, like, you are where you are because of the people that support you. And I think having that gratitude mindset of always being grateful for the people that are engaging with you, for the people that are going to your site and expressing that gratitude goes a really long way. I love that. You are where you are because of the people who support you. I think we should all remember that every single day, especially during these times. 
All right, let's talk beyond food blogs now because you, Diana, saw an opportunity to take your love for food into the community and the world in a really cool and successful way. I just love your story. So talk to food bloggers about ways they can get involved in their communities. Obviously, like once this whole coronavirus thing is run its course, um, things are a little askew now, but how can they get into their communities and create partnerships that help the community and also establish their own brands? So I think there are a lot of different ways. First off, you need to, like while you're sitting at home right now, start building those relationships with your community and with your community leaders, whether it's restaurants or it's distributors or it's just other people that, that are like-minded, start really building those relationships because once you get off of your digital platforms, it is about those real-life connections. And so the first thing you really need to do is is have those. So for me, I started reaching out to restaurants when I first was launching Vegan Babies and I would call them or, or email them or go there and say, Hey, this is who I am. I am doing an online guide to vegan dining in Vegas. And to be on my website, you have to have X amount of vegan options and they have to be vegan. Can I come in and talk to you? And can you share with me some of the dishes that you have so I can put you on my website? And so it's just getting out there. And once you start getting out there, you build these relationships. And then it's, hey, you know, so I was thinking it'd be really cool to get the people that are on my site, that are on my social media. Let's have a meetup. You know, let's just do a meetup once a month. And I want to do it at your venue. Does that work? Okay, cool. And so it's kind of just pulling. So what what can you take from your website and move it into real life? Can you do meetups? Can you do pop, like if you're a recipe food blogger, can you do a pop-up at a restaurant? Um, you know, if you just write about travel or food all over the world, could you do a, a little like write-up or a restaurant tour of different restaurants that kind of go all over the world within your city? So it's, it's taking those, the concepts you have from your website and your social media and turning them into something in real life. For me, what's worked very well has been the pop-ups. So I'll partner with restaurants and do like a special menu launch with them or do a pop-up dinner where they have a special for the night or it eventually morphed into food tours in the city. So I take people on like a walking tour of downtown Vegas and we go to five different restaurants and have like 13 different dishes and you meet the chefs. Um, I started a vegan dining month because I had all these relationships with restaurants and our restaurant week didn't have any vegan options. So I was like, Hey, you know what? So basically like I'm looking at it from a, a standpoint of what relationships have I, have I cultivated in the community and what are my opportunities within those relationships to come up with something really cool that people will get excited about offline just as much as they get excited about what I'm doing online. And so it really is, I think relationships are the key and then going from there. And if you don't have any ideas, sit with a restaurant owner or sit with, um, you know, if you've got someone in town that makes really good artisan, I'm, I'm vegan. So artisan vegan cheese or something, talk to them and see what you could do together because it's always good also to have more than one brain behind it. Because I think a lot of times as a blogger, you live in this little world that you're not around other people to share ideas with. So having those relationships with people in your hometown really helps kind of get those juices flowing as well and come up with some really cool ideas to get into the community more. So maybe you're going to partner with someone that has nothing to do with the food blogging, but does a really cool meetup. And then you say, okay, let's do something like this. Or, you know, there's a local grocer and you say, hey, let me do a pop-up. Let me get a table and I'm going to show people how to make something at your grocery store or something like that. So it's just coming up with all the different ways you can translate what you do online to the real world, to offline. 
it takes a little bit of creativity, it sounds like, but I just, I love that line that you said, taking online, offline, and figuring out a way to make that happen. So in, especially dealing with restaurants, is it hard to get into a restaurant and talk to an owner or is it pretty easy to do that? You know, Vegas is a little bit different because we have the strip restaurants, which, you know, oftentimes there's celebrity chef home. But you have to kind of, you might not always get to the owner. In Vegas, we have the gatekeepers, which are the PR people. And I happen to have my background is in PR. So it's easier for me because I know the people. The best thing to do first is to reach out to them, whether it's Instagram or email. I prefer email because I think it's more professional than to reach out to someone in their DMs and say, hey, want to come in and meet you? I think it, it goes a lot further with people. If you take the time to do a little bit of research and find their email and email them and say, hey, this is who I am. This is what I'm doing. I'd love to set up a time to talk. But I think the owners that get what you're doing will be very receptive to meeting with you, especially a lot of smaller restaurants that don't necessarily get the value of partnerships or marketing or any of those things yet. And it's going to be a little bit harder to get in with them. But that's where you kind of establish all these other relationships first and say, look, this is what I've done. This is what we could do together and kind of show them the, the proof is in the pudding, essentially. I see so much opportunity with this because you just ran through a couple of different scenarios that could be possible and they were all really cool. But I can see this going even further. And once you get together with somebody else who has that creative flow, just like coming up with really great stuff that can serve the community. So I'm curious to hear a little bit more about your pop-up idea because I've just never considered anything like that. So what is your like your favorite pop-up that you've done and kind of how do you go about it? Talk us through that a little bit. So the first pop-up pop-up I ever did was with a dear friend of mine who's a chef. And he and I were talking about opening a vegan restaurant years ago. And he was like, you know, let's kind of do a menu test and see how it goes. So we closed down. He had a, his own restaurant and we closed it down for the night and reopened it as this new concept. So it was a vegan restaurant for the night. And it was, I think, six, five or six course menu. And it was a set price and you got a drink with a dish that we were considering to put on the menu at this new restaurant we were going to open. And so it was a pop-up restaurant essentially. So we took, and it was a burger joint, like he, it was a burger restaurant and we made it into a vegan restaurant for the night. And that is, that was the night and it sold out. And so that's one way you could do it. You could also just partner with a restaurant that, you know, maybe has a couple dishes, but they want to try out something new. And so you say, okay, well, for this night, we're going to have this dish and you can buy a ticket or depending on how they want to do it, like you can close, if the restaurant's available to close down and you know, an event can sell out and generate the same revenue that they would make if they were open for the night, you can do that. Or you can just add it to the menu and have a special menu for the night. Those work really well. You could also just do a pop-up at a different location. So you can take a chef from one restaurant and bring him to another. And if that restaurant's cool with it, that's a whole, it's a whole experience. So those really work well. And now with uh, the whole pandemic, because obviously our restaurants aren't open for dining, I'm partnering with restaurants that are closed, but still have access to their kitchens and food to open up for the night and to have a special meal for the night or people can pick it up. They can't get it delivered. And so that's one way to kind of do it right now during these times. I like that you saw that opportunity. You were like, yeah, people still need to eat food and you're in Vegas, the land of like amazing, delicious food. So why not tap into that a little bit instead of just shutting down like, okay, this, you know, this pandemic has hit us. I'm just going to 
stop, you saw the need for just kind of being creative and doing something a little bit different to serve people. And honestly, you know what? I I don't even want to take credit for it. A restaurant owner I know was closed and he's like, hey, Diana, let's do this one night. And I was like, okay, sure. You know, and I I wish that was my brainchild. (laughs) I I maybe would have come up with it eventually, but, but yeah, I mean, it it is, it it works really well for those restaurants that, you know, obviously it's not going to bring them a whole lot of income and it's typically just the owner or the chef in the restaurant cooking it because they can't bring in staff at this point, but it is a nice way to kind of for the restaurant, I also consult with restaurants. And so it's a nice way for the restaurants to stay in the community and just still be there and remind people they exist, even if they're not necessarily open the same days and, and times and everything they were before all of this hit. That's so true because I'm sitting here wondering, like all my favorite restaurants, I live in Minneapolis. I'm like, are they going to be around when this is done? So I like that they're just kind of nudging, giving reminders that, hey, we're still here. I'm willing to come in and make you food. So that's great. And then your pop-up idea, I can see that obviously benefiting you, but also just being a really huge benefit to the community and showing the community different ways to enjoy food. I loved your idea of having a chef go into a different restaurant and chef there, (laughs) cook there. That's crazy. That's so awesome. Mm -hmm. There's a group here called Secret Burger and the woman that runs it is just this mastermind. She's brilliant. Like she's been in the food scene in Vegas for a really long time and she's just done the coolest stuff. And she actually started that as far as I know. I mean, I don't, I mean, I honestly, she's the one that it's been most public, but she'll have chefs come into other restaurants and do pop-ups, which is just the coolest thing. I'm working on a couple different things, but obviously right now we're not doing anything like that because there are no restaurants open, but it's a really cool model to look at and to try to replicate in your hometown because the culinary community, especially in Vegas, is so tight knit and the chefs all know each other and they all really support each other. And so I would imagine that it's similar in other in other communities as well, where you could a chef could just say, hey, let me come into your restaurant for the night. Yeah, that's such a cool concept. So how do you tie all of this into your blog? Do you write about all of this stuff or do you keep it mostly separate or how do you go about that? I mix it up a little bit. So the whole goal of Vegans Baby is to make being vegan easy and to make vegan food attainable and approachable because I think there's such a misconception about vegan food and that it's either fake meats and fake cheeses or like baked potatoes and salads and french fries. And it's not. So basically anything that falls under that. So I have my whole online dining guide, which highlights restaurants, mostly in Vegas, but I have destination guides as well. But I also have vegan news. So if I'm doing an event, I'll write up a a story about the event and share it and and things like that to kind of, I mix it up because I don't want it to just be a restaurant write-up site. I want it to have other information. I'm a writer. That's my passion. And as I said, like I started as a travel blog, so I like writing. And whenever I have an opportunity to write, I will do it. So (laughs) with the events, with pop-ups, I'll do, like I'll write about the events. I'll maybe include a chef bio and photos in there and stuff. So I want my site to be the place people go for everything related to vegan food. Yeah. Anything that backs your cause, whether it's writing about a restaurant or providing a recipe. Exactly. Like like what we said earlier, like having that mission and just, you know, making sure it stays on point with that. So anything that, that meets my mission of making it easy to be vegan within the food realm is what I typically write about. Right now, I switched it up a little bit because of wellness. And I think it's really important that everybody stay like as mentally healthy as they can right now. But typically it's 99% of the time it's food. So whatever goes under that food umbrella is what goes on my site. Yeah, you do have to stay a little bit relevant when 
times shift and when major things go down in our world, you have to touch on that, I feel like, a little bit, no matter what niche you're in. So I think that's smart to standpoint there, but also, you know, keep going with your vegan recipes and reviews. So Diana, what are some ways food bloggers who might be listening right now can start branching out and expanding their circles? Maybe they're like listening and think that this just seems overwhelming to contact a restaurant or to do a pop-up. What are some smaller ways that they can branch out and expand their circles? Start engaging online more. I think it's really important, you know, if you're creating content online, engage with not only your audience, but other content creators within your realm or within vertical markets of yours. So for me, I post about vegan, but I follow all the Las Vegas foodie people and I talk to them. Some of my dear friends aren't vegan, but they're, they're foodies like me. So it's kind of cultivating those relationships with people and you can do it online. You don't have to go out and in, in offline to do these things, but just start being an audience as well as a creator. So really get in there and start talking to people and have conversations with people online and engage that way. I love that. Be an audience as well as a creator. That's like the best quote I've ever heard. <laughs> I love oh, that. Th- thank you. No, that's great. <laughs> and it's I think it's something that we should all live by, especially as content creators and influencers. We get into the rut of just feeling like I'm a creator and that's what I am. But actually, we're an audience as well. So tapping into that and figuring out what that means, because I think it's different for all of us. And just noticing, like, how are you engaging with other people and doing something like mastermind groups or just I was thinking like a little I just started this book club, this virtual book club online, just stuff like that that can connect people not in person right now, but virtually in any way I think is going to only build you up and help you have the confidence too to expand your circles once this whole thing kind of fades away. You'll be more confident. Maybe at that point you'll be like, yeah, I can go into a restaurant. They need me. Yes. And because I do think that restaurants are going to need bloggers when this is done to spread the word and to help them get things going. I think honestly, restaurants need bloggers now. Yeah. But I think with restaurants, the first thing that's always going to go is your marketing budget and your PR and your social media budget. But I think those are the three things other than your core team of staff you need to keep because those are the people that are going to build you and talk about you while all of this is going on and then continue to talk about you once you're back open. So, you know, I think the restaurants that are still doing that are really smart, but restaurants really do need to realize that. And I think for the ones that get marketing and get all of that, get it, but the ones that don't are missing a really big opportunity here to stay relevant. So in these times when things are tough for restaurants, what would be a good way to approach that as a blogger? I mean, I think this is kind of like sensitive soil, like we don't really know what to say or if we should say anything. So if that were an option, how would you go about that? I wouldn't. Honestly, right now, unless you have a relationship with the restaurant, I wouldn't cold call. I wouldn't cold email and say, hey, this is who I am and this is what I can do for you because they're not. Unless unless you know that they are looking for help, I think it's kind of tone deaf at this point to do something like that. You know, I, the, the restaurants I've talked to are obviously having financial troubles right now. So if you are going to talk to them at this point, it would I would suggest like if you have a relationship with them, it's one thing. But if you don't, I would just offer something. Hey, you know, look, 
I'm going to do a roundup on my website of five restaurants. I can't wait to be back open and I'd like to include you. So now's the time. If you don't have those relationships, start establishing those relationships. And once you have it, then I think it's a little bit easier to maybe say, Hey, look, would you want to work with me? But definitely I think cold calling or cold emailing anybody right now just isn't, it won't get you very far because obviously you have to imagine everyone in the world is doing that right now because everyone is probably not everybody, but I think a lot of people, especially in our industry are in the same boat of they lost their advertisers. They lost their income and everyone sees the people that still are operating as people that could help obviously replace that lost income. And you have to realize you're definitely not the only person going after these people. So it's about nurturing versus just coming out and saying, hey, you know, hire me. Yeah. And this is just another reason to kind of uh, venture into getting established relationships with people in the community. Because when something like this hits, then you've got that relationship that you can fall back on. But yeah, cold calling right now just seems just not tasteful or just wrong. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I wouldn't do it. Yeah, (laughs) I haven't done it. You know, the relationships they have, there are very few I've gone up to. And I obviously I've never said hire me, but I've said, Hey, do you want to work together? And let's both benefit from this. But I won't just simply straight up be like, Oh, you want X, Y, Z, you have to pay me. Here's a question I just had run through my head. Do you find that restaurant owners or chefs look down on bloggers because that this is something in my own just weird mind that I think they don't like bloggers because I don't know, a lot of us are hacks and we just kind of hacked our way through cooking. What are your thoughts on that? I don't think it's food bloggers in general. I think it's all bloggers. And I think I saw it a lot in travel blogging because a lot of people act very entitled when they reach out to places. And you know, you could have 500 followers and you're going to reach out and say, I'm an influencer and I want to come in and I want you to to give me food and I'm not going to pay, but I'm going to put up on my social media. And the way they ask is very much entitled versus, again, approachable and professional. So I think it's the few that have thrown that around that have given businesses of all sorts a very bad taste about blogging industry and influencers in general. Yeah, so it's not just food bloggers and no, just it's everybody. <laughs> being like when you, if you do approach a restaurant, just being tasteful and humble, humbling yourself a little bit. I offer coaching, and what I'll tell people is, if you're going to reach out and ask for something for free, you need to tell them why you're going to give it to set why they should give this to you. Yes, you offer this great service, but you're approaching them; they're not approaching you. So I always think it's really important to always say, this is who I am. This is what I do. This is what I can do for you. This is the value of what I can do for you. And what it would be like if I was, you know, if you were coming to me and asking for these services, this is what my fee would be. So they really see that this is a benefit for them to partner with you. Yeah, that's great. Okay, so we've kind of covered a lot. I think we've given people some really great ideas, even during tough times to get started with, if not like starting now, at least getting their wheels turning for when things get a little bit more normal. I think the restaurant idea in the community is so great and something that a lot of us don't tap into because we get stuck in our own worlds of just creating recipes and our own content. We sometimes don't step outside the box and look the bigger picture. So I think looking into the community and the world and what you can add to it is so valuable. I mean, there really are 
so many things you can do and you have tapped into so much of that, Diana, and it's so inspiring. Oh, thank you. So yeah, thank you for sharing all of your story and your insights today. Is there anything that you feel like we've missed that we should touch on before we say goodbye? Oh God, I, I could talk about this all day. Oh good. Well, let's <laughs> so, hear it. What do you have to say? Oh, gosh. No, I mean, it would have to be like, I mean, oh, I mean, there's there's nothing key we've missed. I mean, honestly, if people have questions, they are always more than welcome to reach out to me. I haven't gotten where I am without help of a community. So I'm always happy to like, you know, to, to drop a couple ideas or something with people if, if they're stuck. That's really generous of you. So what is the best place to reach you? Well, you can find me on every platform in the world. It's vegans, baby. Vegans is plural. Uh, and my email is diana at veganswaby.com. And I'm always happy to email with someone and, you know, help them yeah. out a little. <laughs> I love your play on words, by the way. The vegans thank baby, you. Vegas baby. <laughs> I got it right away. I was like, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> that's clever. Well, thank you so much for being here today and sharing all of this and also offering your help if someone wants to contact you one-on-one. So that's very generous. Before we go, do you have a favorite quote or words of inspiration to share with food bloggers? Yes. So, well, when I was like in my 20s, I was all over the place and my mom, the advice came from my mom and it was to find your niche. Find your niche. Hmm. Interesting. That came from your mom. Yep. And I'm, I'm sure it's come from a lot of other people's moms too. But her telling me that really kind of it, and I just, I just actually spoke about it at a conference a couple of weeks ago, but it truly, once you find that, like find your niche, find your passions and figure out how you can make that into your like day-to-day life and into your, into your business. And it, literally with Vegans Baby, it's traveling, it's writing, it's activism, it's food. And those are all my special things that I love. And that is my niche is all those things like under the vegan umbrella. Mm, finding a niche is a game changer. Yep. So that's mm-hmm. great advice. It sure is. Thanks. Oh, yes. Well, Diana has a list of resources relating to things we've talked about today in today's episode, and those can be found on her show notes page at eatblogtalk.com forward slash vegans baby. And we've already talked about where people can find you. So thank you again, Diana, for being here. And thank you for listening today, food bloggers. I will see you next time. We're glad you could join us on this episode of Eat Blog Talk. For more resources based on today's discussion, as well as show notes and an opportunity to be on a future episode of the show, be sure to head to eatblogtalk.com. If you feel that hunger for information, we'll be here to feed you on Eat Blog Talk.